welcome to this inspiring message brought to you by Kingsword Media Outreach, a part of Kingsword Ministries International. We hope this teaching inspires you and transforms you into all that God has destined you to be. Please stay tuned for more information about Kingsword Ministries International following this message. May God bless you as you listen. Glory to God. All through the month of January, we were talking about following God's plan for your life. I want you to get that video. Just, sorry, get that message. Go on the, on the website, ph.kingsword.org. Download it and listen and listen and listen again. The important thing for me whenever I have the opportunity to stand before God's people and talk is because is that is the fact that I get to go before the presence of God to know exactly what the mind of God is for every service we have in church every service particular service so today all the Sundays in February February is a month of excellence in the ministry God is going to be exposing us to something I call reflections 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 the Christian life was not designed or engineered to walk by itself follow me very carefully the way God designed this life is such that it should not run by itself. It shouldn't walk by itself. When you woke up this morning and you decided on the dress you were going to wear, how did you decide? How did you decide? How did you come up with what you're going to wear? Some of us had started maybe thinking from Thursday or Friday what I'm going to wear to church on Sunday. Even if you started to think about it this morning, you began to paint an image of how you would look in that dress when you wear it. True or false? And then you thought to yourself, if I put on a jacket on this, I don't think I will look nice. If I put on a tie on this, I don't think I will look nice. Oh, I think I will look good in these shoes. And some of us throughout the night, we're still reminiscing and thinking that, okay, what would I wear to church tomorrow? And you began to form what? An image in your mind. And then you woke up, brought out the clothes, ironed them, or did whatever you did, needed to do, and then you began to move. So the Christian life was not engineered to work itself out. It is not a life of self-discovery. It's not a life of motivation. It's not a life of self-motivation or self-awareness. It's not that kind of life. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter 1. God said, let us make man in what? Image. 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 Let us make man in our image. So God put an image in front of him that man was going to come out from. So man invariably is what? A reflection. Man is a reflection. 
is a reflection of a higher power, a reflection of a great God, a reflection of someone who is not himself. So God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let him resemble us. Let him look like us. So man did not have an image of his own. He came from someone's thoughts. He came from someone's perspective. He came from someone's thinking. So it's simply a reflection of someone else's life. And then when we talk about the Christian life itself, it's a reflection of another person's life. It is not your life. It's a reflection of someone else's life. And that person is Jesus. Why did they call them Christians? Not because they were good. No. Because they looked like somebody. Jesus. They were Christ-like. Don't think Christian is a title that they've given to you. No. It's a reflection of the life of Christ. So they looked at them and they said, these people are not acting like us. They are not behaving like us. They are not reflecting what we see on, a, on an everyday basis. They are not reflecting the life that we see around. They are reflecting a different kind of life. And that life belongs to Christ. So they said they are Christ-like. And then over the years, translation began to change and then they called them Christians. But today, Christians are those who go to church. And then Muslims are those who go to mosque. But that's really not what it is. That's really not what it is. That's really not what it is. It's a reflection. It's not self-discovery. It's not self-motivation. It's not self-awareness. There is nothing of yourself that you need to be aware of. The only awareness you need is his awareness. Being aware of yourself will do you no good. It will do you no good. It will do you no good. You need to be aware of him. So God made man in his image, Genesis 1.26. So it means that the very expression of all that humanity is, is a reflection of God divinity to a certain degree so man humanity is a reflection of God to a certain degree that's why when man sinned in the garden and the Bible says God said the ground is cursed for your sake the man was not the one that was cursed but the ground was cursed for man's sake. That's that's your excuse. I know many of many of us have done that before. Have gone to cry before God. Uh, what would he didn't say? Don't let them. Don't let them ask me where is my God. They will ask you. They will ask you where your God is. Don't let them ask me where is my God. Uh, look at the people around me that don't know God. This guy doesn't pray. He doesn't fast. Look at everything is happening for him. Listen, the man that God created is a blessed man. It is the ground that was cursed. So if the ground you are operating on is a cursed ground, it's a ground that is not fertile, that does not produce anything, then you'll experience hardship. But the man that God created is a blessed man. Dangote is a blessed man, whether he's a Muslim or a Hindu. Humanity is blessed by God. If you want to know more about that, 
Go and check for the message I preached on disadvantage. Humanity is blessed. Okay? That's the excuse why somebody who doesn't know God can go into business, apply business principles and prosper. That's the excuse. Because man that God created is blessed. Alright? Where we find it difficult to understand is we think that because I pray, because I fast, because I attend services, because I give, I should be blessed. Yes, you should. But a child, as long as he remains a child, does not differ from a servant as long as he remains a child. So if God would rather choose between a servant and a child to deliver an outcome where um, the servant takes more responsibility more than the child, God would rather give the, 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 the responsibility to the servant than the child. So a lot of believers are children not recognizing who they are. So you see servants riding horses and princes walking. Not because the prince doesn't want to ride the horse but the day the prince realizes who he is power changes hands. Power changes hands. Glory to God. So if man is a reflection of divinity, then it tells us that from the beginning of time, divinity never created man to sustain himself. So if I am a reflection of a higher power, it means my sustenance should not be of myself. It should come from a higher power. If I'm a reflection of a God who is high up above there, it means that everything that sustains me should come from him. I was asking a question some time ago. I said, God, why is it that when you said to, to um, um, Adam that the day you eat of this, you will die. And scripture recorded that Adam lived 900 and something years. And then he died. And then some people say, oh, a day in the sight of God is like a thousand years and a thousand years. Yes, I understand that, but that doesn't give justice to it. So when the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, the day he ate of it, he died. I said, but he was alive the next day. He said, the term in scripture is that the day you eat, you begin to die. You begin to die. So the he broke that edge he began to die so death set in and it took him 900 years for the glory of God that was upon him to dissipate you know when, when, you, when you touch electricity you feel some shock if you touch somebody immediately after that person will feel the shock if they take light in your house look at your TV before it goes off you see, the light is still blinking, but it's gone. There's no light. There's no power there. So we call it residual power. So the, the power of God that was on Adam was so strong that it took 900 and something years for the power to completely die out. So the day he ate, he began.
began to die from that moment. And then from that time on, you see someone lived 500 years old, someone lived 600, someone lived 300, and now 40. Say, ah, thank God, he even tried. That's what we say now. Say, ah, the woman lives 80 years. Say, ah, she tried, oh, ah. But that was not the plan of God. That was not the plan of God. So we began to die. So as generation comes to generation, the, the, the power of God resident in people was no longer strong enough to sustain them and people began to die. And then we now start looking for ways, medical science and things like that to sustain us and keep us. But that was not the plan from the beginning. We are a reflection of a higher power. We are reflection. So when we come in the presence of God and, and the glory rubs off on us, what happens is that we are sustaining ourselves by his strength. We are sustaining ourselves by his supernatural power. So I ask the question, why is it that, how is it possible that a God who created the heavens and the earth will require medical science to, to sustain his own creature? Why? So I did some research. If there's any doctor in the house, any doctor in the house? Yeah, okay. You correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Medical science teaches us that when you're sick, they'll give you medication. Let me take something as simple as headache, for instance. You take Panadol or Paracetamol, am I correct? Good. Does it really, really cure the headache? Or it's, I may not get the right term, but you can, you can help me out. Or it creates some chemical composition in the system that boosts the immune system to help fight whatever it is. Am I correct? Or maybe you can better, can someone help me with the mic? Maybe you can better explain that, that term. Then I'll give you my own idea. Alright? Thank you. Please celebrate Dr. Ruth. Yes, please go ahead. Good morning, church. Okay, when you have a headache, yeah. um, essentially, let me talk about drugs. Drugs are chemical substances that when you take them, they don't, they don't go directly yeah, to whatever organ or system it is. So there's a process it goes through. Okay. The chemical substance should change, will get modified, and then probably work on particular receptors, depending on where it's affected, to now modify that system or organ to function better. So that's how awesome. it works. Great. I like the way she described it. Very simple and straight. So you take the drugs, it goes into your system, works on certain organs to function better. So it means there was a malfunction. So what the thing? Because all everything about human being is chemical. We are, we are, we are science. And that God himself is 100% science. If Science is the understanding of divinity. So if you see something that is spiritual, it is science that has not been understood. If you see something that is science, it is spirituality that has been understood. The only way you and I can understand it here, in this realm, is through science. So you can't fight science. That's why I'm surprised that some people who are sick, 
and they say they are standing on faith, they can't take a drug. If your faith has not gone up that level, you better take the drug. You better take it. And be alive. I heard of a story of, of, a, of a woman. Someone, someone called me and said, uh, Pastor, this woman is, is in the hospital and all that. And then um, um, she's, she's in labor. I said, okay, fine. They should um, do CS for her. And he said, no. The pastor said, no, that they should not. I said, what the heck? What do you mean by that? They should do CS for her if she can't deliver. And then the next thing they said, no. They said, no, that she has to deliver like the Hebrew woman. Are you okay? You drink 10 cartons of Coke a day. The Hebrew woman do not even drink Coke. And you want to deliver like them. How? How? And the lady died. She has stupidity. It doesn't make sense. So God is science. So when you take a drug, it goes into your system. It works on your system. Help your chemical imbalance to be balanced. So that it can function better. Why? Because that's the way God designed it. Cut your nails. After two weeks, it grows back. Cut your hair. After a few weeks, it grows back. It grows back. Even the bones in your body, they grow back. It's just that we don't have the longevity of years to see them grow back. If someone's leg is completely cut off, that can grow back. So the way God designed is a reflection of him. That's the way he designed. That's the way he created us. A reflection of him. So when those things, when you take those things in your body, they work inside your system and help the imbalance to be balanced. Glory to God. So look at the scripture now. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I read from verse 7. I'm reading the, the Passion Translation. I've fallen in love with this translation for some time now. It said, even the ministry that was characterized by chiseled letters on stone tablets came with a dazzling measure of glory. Though it produced death, the Israelites could not bear to gaze on the glowing face of Moses because of the radiant splendor shining from his countenance. A glory destined to fade away. A glory that was destined. So I was talking about Moses, how Moses came to the mountain and then God gave him the Ten Commandments and all that. And then the glory of God was upon him so much that the children of Israel could not even look at him. But that glory, the Bible says, was destined to fade away. So it was also a reflection. It was a reflection. Look at what happened. Yet, how much, verse 8, how much more radiant is this new and glorious ministry of the Spirit that shines from us? For if the former ministry of condemnation was ushered in with a measure of glory, how much more does the ministry that imparts righteousness far exceed in glory? What was once glorious no longer holds any glory because of the increasingly greater glory that has replaced it. The fading ministry came with a portion of glory, but now we embrace the unfading ministry of a permanent impartation of glory. A permanent impartation of glory. 
So what we're saying is that though yes, man is a reflection, the created man, the humanity is a reflection of God. But there's another kind of reflection of God which came by another kind of glory which is Jesus. The first one was fading away but this one cannot fade. Cannot fade. Look at what he says. In verse 13. See, we're not like Moses. Who used the veil to hide the glory. To keep the Israelites from staring at him as it fades away. Their minds were closed and hardened. For even to this day, that same veil comes over their minds. When they hear the words of the former covenant. The veil has not yet been lifted from them. For it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah. So until now, wherever, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. The moment you turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted and you see. So we're saying that Though, there was, though we were created in the image of God and the likeness of God, and then we reflect God. The physical us we're seeing now will reflect God. But our experiences don't really, really reflect Him. Our experiences don't really, really reflect Him. The circumstances around our lives do not really, really reflect Him. But He says, that glory is fading away. But the, when you turn to the Lord, that's a more permanent glory. So right now, Jesus is our reflection. Jesus is our reflection. Glory to God. It's about the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now, the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever the Lord is, there is freedom. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. So it is not self-motivation. It is not affirmation all those things. No. No. It's a reflection of who Jesus is. That's the life we're called to live. A reflection of who Jesus is. So as a mirror, we, we take a mirror and then we're looking at ourselves. What's exciting us is the reflection of the image of Jesus that we see. What's exciting us is what we see on the other side. What's exciting us is the glory that is ahead. What's exciting us is not the moment... Look at the video we watch. The lady has present circumstance showed that, hey, obviously they were poor. Obviously they had nothing. But the moment she got that thing and then she looked through it, she was excited. She could imagine. She could envision. She could see a different picture. The circumstances have not changed all around her, but she could imagine something else. She has seen a reflection. So the Bible is telling us that we are designed to reflect Jesus. So when we take God's word as a mirror and we put it in front of us, what we should be seeing is the image of Christ. 
It's the image of Christ. And then the latter part it says, we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glory, glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the Lord. So as believers, when we stand and we have our image in front of us, what do we really see? What do we really, really see? A lot of people see their present circumstance, their present situation, and they can't see past that. But that's not how we're designed to live. No. We're designed to live by the image of Christ. As he is, so are we. As he is, so are we. There's no discussion about it. There's no discussion. Paul put it better. Galatians chapter 2. verse 19. He said, but because the Messiah lives in me, I've now died to the Lord's dominion over me so that I can live for God. Because the Messiah lives in me, that's the only thing. Not of myself, not by how many laws and principles that I have. No, 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 no. Because the Messiah lives in me. I've now died to the lost dominion over me so that I can live for God. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. Did you get that? The anointed one lives his life through me. So the life that I live is no longer mine. It's a reflection of Jesus' life. The life that I live, that I express, that I show everywhere is no longer mine. It's a reflection of who Jesus is. That's why I was shocked when I was telling them the story in the elevator service. Yesterday I was somewhere and a, a guy walked up to me and said, he said, I know you. I said, from where? He said, I know you. You are the one that used your car to hit my car. I said, when? <laughs> he said, last year. <laughs> I said, I laughed and I said, it can't possibly be me. I don't reflect such things. It can't possibly be me. I didn't even pay him much attention. It can't possibly be because I know the things I reflect. Glory to God. So it's Christ that lives through you. It's no longer you that lives. He said, we live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. That's so powerful. He dispenses his life into mine. So it is no longer I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. So that's the image I see. That's the picture right in front of me. That's the picture right in front of me. It's no longer I that lives. So when I have that understanding in my mind, I have that understanding in my head. 
glory to God. I can face any sickness, face any disease, face anything and come out of it. Why? It is no longer I that lives. I'm crucified with him. I've died with him. I'm buried with him. And I resurrected with him. So the life that I live in the flesh now, it's no longer my life. It's the reflection of the life of Jesus. That's why they could call them Christians. Because they were behaving like Christ. They, didn't, they were not behaving like every other person. They were behaving like Christ. They were acting like Christ. Verse 21. It says, so that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor. I don't look at God's grace as something minor. I don't look at it as peripheral. I don't look at it as small. Because my life has been exchanged with a higher life. He has infused his life inside of me. So each time I look at myself, each time I read God's word, I'm seeing the image of Christ. I'm reflecting that image. So I'm being changed into that image. The more I look, I become. The more I look, I become. So things don't bother me, not because they don't have the capacity to bother me, but because I have a higher image before me. Because I see something else. I see something else. So they said happiness is not the ability, it's not the absence of problems. But how we see them, the perspectives. So there may be problems all around, but what's the perspective you have? What's the image that you have? What are you reflecting? What are you reflecting? What are you reflecting? You know, have you ever been in a room where people come where, I think I was sharing that on Wednesday or so, where, you know, everybody's happy, joyful, rejoicing, and then someone just walks into the room and the energy in that room just dies down. Just looks like everybody just... That's what the person is reflecting. And a lot of us have fallen victim. We've allowed people's state to affect the way we are. Someone calls you up and then say, Ah, oh boy, have you heard? I say, What? Say, They're sacking everybody in the office. Oh. And then that news just got to you and you dropped your phone and then your countenance is gone. You are reflecting an image that has been painted for you already. You are reflecting a picture that the person has painted for you. So the same thing, the way we read God's word. We read God's word. What the Bible is, is teaching us is that we are supposed to be transformed to that image. And that image is Christ. That's all Christ represents. That's what he died for. That's what he came for. So that we can adequately represent him. And it says, for if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. He would have died for nothing. So I know that Christ didn't die for nothing. He died for a reason. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that reason. So that you and I will be ambassadors of him. Say, I'm a reflection of Jesus Christ. Everywhere I go, I reflect, I reflect Christ. Glory to God. That's who you are. That's who he has created you to be. That's your emo. That's your design right now. 
I took my time to explain it from the beginning because I needed you to understand that it wasn't so from the beginning. There was a glory that was revealed, but that glory has faded away. But there's now another glory, which is Christ. So the Bible tells us that we are no longer after the image of the first Adam. We are now after the image of the last Adam. Glory to God. If the last Adam could not fall sick, was immune to diseases, had authority, had power, had glory, then I'm after that image. That's the image I reflect. That's the image I reflect. So that should be my reflection everywhere I go. Whatever happens to me, I recognize that it's Christ that I reflect. I don't reflect my circumstances or my situations. I don't reflect the things that are happening around me. I reflect Christ. I don't reflect any of those things. I reflect Christ. The situation may look like it, but that's not who I reflect. I reflect Christ. Because it is no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Stand to your feet, church. It's no longer I that lives. It's Christ that lives in me. So it's not a life of self-discovery, self-motivation, or self-awareness. I know a lot of people say, if you can just discover yourself, <laughs> there's nothing about yourself that you need to discover. If you discover him, you are found. Because you are in him. There is nothing of yourself that you need to discover. Once you discover him, you are inside him. You are found. So there is no self-motivation that it can only motivate you from here to there. And it will wear out. Like the fading glory, it will wear out. It's fading away. But there is one that is permanent. A discovery in him is permanent. A reflection of him is permanent. That one cannot change. That one is lasting. Glory to God. So it's simply a reflection of someone else's life. And that person is Jesus. May I shock you? Even your mistakes, even your errors, even the things that you think that, hey, these things, ah, I have overdone this one, Pastor. Even all those things, you place it in Him. You find yourself in Him. You find yourself in Him. When people tell me, Pastor, um, you know, I'm so down right now emotionally or somehow, so I can't make it for church, that is when you should be in church. That's when. I don't see any. Where else do you want to have your emotions lifted? Lawyer, where else? Hey, church. Sir, where else? Sir? Hey, church. But when you stay at home and start reflecting, nobody knows my sorrow. No. You reflect Jesus. So you don't allow yourself to get in a position where you keep yourself down. No. By the things that happen to you. No. No, 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 no. A thousand times. No. No. Sometimes when I talk like this, you think, ah, pastor is not sensitive. I'm very sensitive. People that are close to me know me that I'm very, very sensitive. Very, very. But 
what I do not like and I don't subscribe to is that I should be looking like my situation. You know some people, when you see them, say, ah, 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 it's obvious. No, it shouldn't be obvious. You dress your future. It shouldn't be obvious. You dress for tomorrow. It shouldn't be You dress with the image of Christ. It shouldn't be obvious. They shouldn't look at you and say, ah, no, someone will tell you, say, ah, I know your problem. And they begin to tell you, they don't have the word of knowledge. It's word of no. Because the way you appear, they already know. It's word of no. It's not word of knowledge. So you don't allow that. It shouldn't come. It's a practice of Christianity. We're not faking it to make it. No. We are saying that we have a higher life that we're looking at, which is Jesus. And the scripture that says that the more we look at him, we become. We look, we become. We keep looking, we become. That is faith. So they were beaten by serpents. And the cure was to look. That's the cure. They said as long as they put their eyes on the bronze serpent, they were safe. So whatever happens to us, as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we're safe. We're safe. So it becomes our reflection. That's who we reflect every day. They look at us in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, they see the same thing. In the morning, afternoon, evening, they see it. Before too long, that image you see comes to pass. And then your story now becomes, and it came to pass. But when you find people who, four years, five years, what's happening? We're believing God. Seven years, we're believing. That has passed believing God. Somewhere along the line, we failed to see the true image of Christ. Because when you look at him continually, you will become that thing. If you look at your problem continually, you will become the problem. You become the problem. But no, you take your eyes off it. And then you look at Jesus. He becomes your reflection. Glory to God. Lift your hands to heaven. Just bless him and worship him. Say, I reflect Jesus in every aspect of my life. I reflect Jesus. Say, I receive grace today, this morning. And I reflect Jesus in everything that I do. Glory to God. Put your hands together for the Lord and you may have your seat in God's presence. The preceding message was brought to you by Kingsword Ministries International. For information about Kingsword Ministries, visit us at kingsword.org for information and additional resources. Thank you for listening to this message. And remember, where the word of a king is, there's power.